This isn't just basketball. This is the NBA playoffs. And with William Hill Sportsbook, you can dial up the playoff intensity from the palm of your hand. Just download the William Hill mobile app and your first bet of up to $500 is risk-free using promo code RADIORF. New users only. Must be 21 years or older and present in Virginia to bet. Paid in free bets. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. William Hill Sportsbook. Proud partner of the NBA. Let's make it interesting. Oh, motherfucker, you can't have my cornbread. That's for damn sure. Because if you try to take my cornbread, part two of my killing spree going to begin up in here on your ass right now. If you think about my cornbread, they get the taste out your mouth. That's for damn sure. Now, fuck him. Fuck this. Because I'm from New York City, goddammit. Nobody take no cornbread from me. That go for you and any other you motherfucking farmers want to try some shit. You fuck around with me, it's going to be consequences and What's happening? What's happening? Maestro Styles, Trey Frazier, welcome to the Barbershop Sports Talk Podcast on barbershopsportstalkpodcast.com. We want to welcome you to another episode. We want to say what's up to our first time listeners. What's happening? Everybody who, uh, you know, is a weekly listener, welcome back. We appreciate you. Uh, a little bit of information. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Barbershop Sports Talk Podcast. You can follow us individually, myself at Maestro Styles and Trey at Trey Frazier um, on Twitter. You can follow us um, at Maestro Styles and Trey at Barbershop SPOR2. Um, make sure you uh, like the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube page. Trey, what's popping, man? Yo, what's what's good, man? Uh, another week, man. Another dollar. Glad I'm safe from all the madness in the world. But we here. We doing this podcast. I'm ready to get this thing jumping, man. What's yes, going sir. on? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, if you ain't got nothing going on, if you ain't well, I, let let me first say uh, before we get into sports, man. Um, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Yes, um, that just passed, and happy Juneteenth to uh, us as a people. Uh, celebrating uh, the last, uh, I, I believe it was in Texas, the last slaves that were freed in Texas um, on July the 19th. So, um, you know, happy Juneteenth, man. Uh, I uh, took the day off to celebrate and uh, joined the march that was in the DMV area, uh, one of the marches in the DMV area. And when I tell you, uh, I walked, you know, we marched from the mall to the White House, and it was a uh, it was a beautiful thing, man. And I am proud to say I'm a black man, and even in these times, uh, I'm proud to be a black man. Yeah, I saw you in those streets, man, doing yeah. it up. Yeah, it was it was it was it was amazing, man. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I, I'm going to once I finish editing all the photos, I'm a. Uh, release you know put them out on a, in a little portfolio or something so i've been working on that so 
no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I wish I had the lifestyle, man, to go out and, you know, hit the streets and protest and join the rallies and all that kind of stuff. But it's tough when you got two little kids and, you know, you're always in demand every day. So, you know, when, you know, other folks might speak a little differently about, you know, being out and about in that kind of a setting, some might worry, but I, I could tell you if I didn't have this lifestyle of being married with two kids, I would definitely be out in the streets. Yeah. Yeah, man. And the only thing I didn't do was make it to the African American um, museum. Um, oh yeah. We talked about that. Yeah, yeah. I did walk past it. Um, Cause I, after when, you know, when I was ready to go home, instead of catching the train back, I thought it would be a good idea while I was in the mood. I walked from the White House back to National Stadium, which is where um, my car was. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I walked. Pa- I did walk past the uh, museum, and it was closed by the time I had got back around. So that's the only thing I didn't do yet, but I, that's definitely about to happen now. No doubt. No yeah, doubt. No next, doubt. Next free day. Yeah, um, I, I don't got nothing interesting. Um, I mean, aside from the podcast, I, I don't have anything, you know, kind of interesting that, you know, went down over the weekend. It's just, you know, the usual, you know, work my five days a week, you know, come home on the weekend, you know, right. chill, get some housework done. Well, let's, uh, pop I, I, let's pop it off then, my brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 get into it, man. Um, so Sunday night, this news broke about the noose. That was found in the garage of where Bubba Watson was storing all his belongings, his car and things like that. And a lot of folks, uh, rightfully so, was upset about it, had something to say. Um, Even a white dude on ESPN almost cussed, almost dropped the F-bomb on live TV that night Mm -hmm. because he was so disgusted about, you know, what had just happened and all that stuff. I do have an update on the story and i'm sure you saw the update too it was by the investigation people um that were um that was conducting the investigation in regards to who left that noose there so this update from yesterday yeah i think it was from yesterday uh 15 fbi special agents conducted numerous interviews regarding the situation at talladega After a thorough review of the facts and evidence surrounding this event, we have concluded that no federal crime was committed. The FBI learned that the garage number four where the noose was found was assigned to Bubba Wallace last week. The investigation also revealed evidence, including authentic video confirmed by NASCAR, that the noose found in garage number four was in that garage as early as October 2019. Although the noose is now known to have been in the garage number four in 2019, nobody could have known Mr. Wallace would be assigned to garage number four last week. And one little more thing about it. The decision to not pursue federal charges is proper after reviewing all available facts and all applicable federal laws. We offer our thanks to NASCAR, Mr. Wallace, and everyone who cooperated with the investigation. So this was by... FBI agents, Johnny Sharp Jr., J.E. Town, uh, a couple other agents. So um, that's the update. I want to hear re- your reaction to everything. Bullshit. Call bullshit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I call bullshit. <laughs> and um, so, so the noose, look, and, and, and let's be clear, even if the noose was there, 
Uh-huh. Nobody could have known he was going to be assigned to that to that uh, to that garage. That's the, I think that, they could have known. They could have known. No, they did know. They ain't no could have. They knew. They knew it. So just so happened. See, here's the thing. Um, I don't believe too much in coincidences. I believe they exist, but I don't believe too much in coincidences. So he comes out with the whole, um, uh, you know, the the Black Lives Matters car, and he's standing up for uh, inequality and, and and police brutality, and then all of a sudden he gets assigned to the place where the noose is, where the noose is at. Like, yeah, and, and and also let's be clear too. In addition to that, NASCAR is 100% behind Bubba Wallace. They're 100% stripping any and all articles of racism, including the Confederate flag and, you know, other articles of the like. So in addition to that, NASCAR stood behind Bubba Wallace every second of the way. Well, NASCAR as a corporation did, but a corporation... That's what I mean. Yeah, as a corporation, but we know... Based on how people are act, how people are acting, based on their uh, NASCAR statement. By the way, fuck Dustin Skinner. Um, he uh, that there are obviously people within NASCAR and within their um, dichotomy that that are against with Nat, the statement that NASCAR has made as a corporation. So there are people who are who are you know quote unquote with the with the whole, you know, Black Lives Matter and, you know, condemning racism and systemic oppression. But there are also still people who believe in that flag to be what you know, you know, to be what it is. And um I the reason why I'm saying fuck Dustin Skinner, I just uh saw on Facebook earlier today, um mm-hmm. Dustin Skinner who was the son of a former NASCAR uh, driver, I th- I, I want to say it's Mike Skinner, I don't remember the, the father's name. Um Basically came out and, and um, said, paraphrasing, they should have drugged Bubba Wallace with that noose. And then came back after backlash and apologized for his statement. Um, yeah, fuck you and fuck everybody that's that's with you and act like you and and think like you. Because, uh, well, ain't, because that's what's up and that's what it is. Um, I wish he could hear me because, yeah, fuck you. Like that. Whoa. That way. Oh, he said he said that. That's what Dustin Skinner put on a post on Facebook. All right. Well, I, I can't be surprised, right? Yeah. So that's so Dustin Skinner. That's what it is. Don't try to cop, please. Now you know exactly what you said and what, how and how you meant it when you said it. Don't apologize. We ain't, nah, nah. Um, getting back to the uh, NASCAR Bubba Wallace thing. Um, um, I wrote these notes down before uh, that FBI investigation. You know that you know the conclusion that came out. Um, and look, here's the thing. And, and I guess, I guess, well, I, I, the notes that I read was, um, obviously whoever, um, put the noose there knew how to get access to that garage. You know what I'm saying? So this is not yep. like a, um, this is not like some dude, you know, some drunk fan who, you know, happened to get to the garage and, you know, it, it, it wasn't that it was, it was placed Mm-hmm. In Bubba Wallace's garage for a reason. That was the notes I came up with, and um, for that to happen, it's like okay, if y'all look, if a noose, if I just if I'm in Bubba Wallace's shoes and I see a noose, I'm taking that like a, a death threat. And if that's a death, if if that's how somebody feels, then NASCAR, I'm and and I'm and I'm and I'm still in this place. NASCAR better step up security. 
for Bubba Wallace, NASCAR better, you know, better be on their mm-hmm. P's and Q's because if something happens to Bubba Wallace, best believe everything that y'all, you know, all the the notions that gestures y'all have made to make us feel like, oh, y'all with the cause, all that shit goes out the window if a hair is touched on Bubba Wallace's African-American head. And we want the smoke. Well, look, so, and we saw glimpses of them being for Bubba Wallace in that situation. They pushed his car. I, I, I saw that on TV where there was a group of people behind his car and they were pushing his car down the track or something like that. I don't know what the context of that was. I'm not even sure if that was during the race or that was post or pre-race. I'm, I'm not sure what that was. Yeah. But, I, but I, I did see something of that effect where a lot of guys stood behind him and in support and in protection of him. So I hope they keep that up in terms of protecting Bubba Watson. Um, not Watson, Wallace. Wallace. I, I keep saying Bubba Watson, the golfer. Oh, yeah. Bubba Wallace, the racer. <laughs> um, when, I, when I first heard about this story, right, um, my thought initially went towards, okay, you know, there's people, like you said, within NASCAR and not necessarily NASCAR, the organization, but there's folks within NASCAR that don't side with Black Lives Matter, that don't side with the statements that NASCAR made, i.e. the dude that, you know, said that I'm not going to, you know, stand for this. I'm just going to leave NASCAR. I forgot mm-hmm. the dude's name uh, already. Ray, I, don't, I don't care. Ray Sicarelli. Fuck you, too. Yeah, I don't I don't care about that dude. And um, quite frankly, the dude you just mentioned just now, I, I don't care about his ass either. For sure. But um, but yeah, I I, it, I immediately thought that there's still folks within the sport that need to get weeded out, and regardless of whether the noose was there in 2019 or not, why the fuck was a noose in any garage? Why was it there in the first place? In I 2019. Get it. In two, yeah, in 2019. I I I get it. I I totally understand that NASCAR was at a certain place at that time and that the racism within was and you know I don't know this to be certain but I'll I'll use this word the re- the racism within NASCAR was rampant if you're if you're going to tell me that since 2019 of October a noose was just sitting in the garage right now I don't know if somebody moved it between now and then I don't know if this thing just sat there, collected dust a whole year, um, I don't know. Somebody picked it up, moved it a few times, put it back there, or this was a prank or a plot or, or, or what? I, I I don't know, but I think for the best interest of NASCAR, they have to weed through every single driver. I don't know if that's possible or not, but. Not only do you got to make the statement, not only do you have to side with Black Lives Matter, but you got to pick apart every racer. You got to look into these dudes' eyes and say, hey, yo, are you down with this cause or not? Because if you're not, then get the hell out of our but, sport. But not even that. Every employee, not just every racer, every employee, every Good pit point. crew, every every single person that gets Good any point. kind of money from NASCAR needs to be called into question. Because here's the, like I said, like they are, this statement says to me that they are, they having like a, a, a mini civil war inside of their corporation. And 
Mm-hmm. Look, if and and if you stand for what you say you stand for, what you put out publicly, then these 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 are the things that's going to have to happen because, like I said, right. it is it was no point in you putting that statement out. We don't. I mean, most black people don't even watch NASCAR. So if you um, so if we if you never said nothing, we would have never questioned nothing. So right. Right. um. For the fact that you put out this statement and now you got people, you know, supporting y'all and black people is feeling y'all a little bit more and we want to get the the racist shirt that bubble. You know, now that we want to patronize y'all product a little bit, mm-hmm. you, you, it be in your best interest to figure out how to solve this problem, nip it in the bud, quick and in a hurry. I'm telling you. Um, we you, you're not going to get you're not going to get our viewership if something happened to Bubba Wallace, period. And just in a little defense of NASCAR, I understand that they are the face of this and they're going to get all the smoke and it's rightfully so. They're learning how to navigate through this stuff. Um, I certainly, you know, now that I'm kind of sitting here thinking about it, looking back at their statement and kind of looking at their history all the way up to this point, they're just learning how to navigate through all this. I don't think there's going to be an organization that we never heard of praising Black Lives Matter or standing up for that statement to just come out and say that. And then all of a sudden, woo, you know, we're free of, you know, racism. We're free of, you know, we've cleansed everything, every department within our organization. I, I, I don't ex- I don't expect that. I expect them to go through some bumps in throughout the road and this is just one of them for nascar and you're right maestro they got to go through not just the racers they got to go through the hr departments they got to go through people that change the tires on the cars they got to go through every department within their organization and look at these people's faces and say hey what's you know are you down or are you not down with us and if you're not down with us then you got you you got to go. This but, is this is this is a learn this is a learning curve and this is a learning process for the higher upset NASCAR. Um, this is the first time that they've had to deal with this kind of situation given their past prior to everything that went on in the last few weeks. I don't expect them to be peachy perfect all of a sudden. I expect bumps in the road like this. I, I expect things like this to resurface. It's all about how NASCAR reacts to this now. There ain't no reaction that's going to have me uh, fucking with NASCAR if something happens to Bubba Wallace. And if, like I said, period. I don't, I, like, you, it's not, you're not, you're telling the truth. Everything you're saying is 100% correct. The bump in the road that they cannot afford if they expect to patron, uh, black people to patronize their product is they, not a motherfucking head better be touched on Bubba Wallace's head. Oh, period. agree. Agree period. 100%. So and they're, and they're whatever. very fortunate. They're very fortunate that it hasn't gone there yet. Well, so while, so well, while, so while they got, so while they got this moment now, while Bubba Wallace is still alive and he's still down, you know, he's still Black Lives Matter. He's still all that. Now, NASCAR, y'all got to do the work now. This this is this is going to get harder and y'all going to have to take measures to step up and protect this man. Protect y'all sport. Get rid of the, you know, 
weed out the folks that well, you think gonna lie, ain't going to be down. Niggas is sure. going to lie. Sure. So we sure. not going we not going to weed we're not going to weed out every single racist person in that co- in that organization, but they better be a quiet ass racist and bet not bet not, not nothing come, like all I'm saying is at the end of the day, if you expect us to patronize your product, NASCAR hear me loud, hear me clear. If you want us to patronize your product and you want to reach out to our demographic, bet not a motherfucking thing happened to Bubba Wallace physically where he is hurt. Period. Full, full disclosure, and, I'm not patronizing and that, NASCAR. And I, I, just, I just want to let the folks no, know I'm, no, not, I'm not patronizing NASCAR. That Black Lives Matter jacket, the joint, the little, the little, the stuff I've seen, mm-hmm. I would buy it. I would 100% buy it. But no, I, I, no, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying. No, no, I'm saying. I'm I know you're saying for you. I, I get yeah. that. I'm just saying yeah. for me. I would. But here's the thing. Like, if you expect me to jump in and, oh, yeah, y'all repping all. Nah, nothing better not happen to, to Bubba Wallace. Now he, now he my man's. Now he my man's. That first time, I knew who he was. Didn't really care nothing about him. He better not. Nah. He better not let it happen. But that better not nothing happen on the account of NASCAR happen to Bubba Wallace if you expect us to patronize the product. Niggas is going live. We get that. Niggas is not going to – niggas, this, this is their job. This is their livelihood. Ain't nobody going to sit up there and be like, oh, I'm a racist, and then get fired when they come out and saying if you're a racist, we're going to fire you. So yeah. I, I get that. We're not going to find yeah. out. And folks, and, folks gonna, and folks are going to – and folks are going to lie. Folks are going to lie. But guess what? That person come out, who's, who's, who's going to be the face of – if something happened to Bubba Wallace, is the NASCAR going to be the face of that? So that's why I'm saying, hey, y'all gonna have to y'all gonna have to come thorough with who y'all want to decide, y'all want to keep, and who y'all want to y'all want to get rid of. Yeah, here's the thing. If, I don't, even I if don't... It, even if even if it even if it means you got to go extra hard, is, hey, is, is all I'm saying. You could be racist in your mind all you want. That don't mean shit to me. Where so. not nothing happened. You can say all you can say all the fuck you want to say in your house in the privacy of your home. If that's who you are, I'm not here to change who you are. Bad not enough to happen. Let me say what up to the chat room here. We got uh, Mac Farrell in the building. We also got RC Miss Mocha Bella repping the X Squad. We What's got happening? Big Kev three hundred three. We also got Key C the Professor X repping the X Squad up What's in happening? here. Appreciate everybody in the chat room here. Uh, just a quick comment from RC in the chat. He says. Those are the worst kind of bigots, Maestro. The quiet ones. I'd rather you let it be known. But, um, I hear you, RC, but but then what? It's, it's up to the, it's up to the, it's up to these cats that either they want to be quiet, racist about it, or they they want to come out. But not, but but keep it a bean. If if a motherfucker told you, like I'm asking you, Trey, if a motherfucker mm-hmm. told you, "Hey, my name is whatever. I'm a white man and I hate niggers." What would you do at that point? What would I do at that point? What would you oh. do? Um, I, I I probably wouldn't do nothing physically. Um, I would probably do as much as I can to disassociate myself from that person. I mean, that's all we're really talking about. It's like, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess, I, I mean, I guess in the scheme of things, um, I guess in the scheme of things, is it just good to know for information? Sure, but I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> like, it, unless we about to pull up and stop. I mean, we're not going to change. We can. We not about to change a motherfucker's mind from being racist because they let of us know. Not. Like, like what what happens next? Um, we got to. Um, I'm going on actions. Let let me just say that I'm going on actions. I you could tell me you're not a racist, but if you if if your actions are racist, then you should be dealt with accordingly. Yep. 
and and NASCAR again they they got to make the actions uh as well they 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 understand that like you said black folks are starting to patronize NASCAR now because I don't of think Bubba that Wallace. That's what they see. I think what they saw was is that there was this was an opportunity to get the black people to patronize, and they stepped up because they saw an opportunity, which I could respect. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, but then but now you now you got to protect the guy now. Now, 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 now you you said these statements. Now you got to back these statements up some, in it. Because and in addition to that, you got to protect Bubba Wallace. And because not only because at this because at this point, if something happens to him, not only are we no longer going to patronize your product, we are going to now protest your product. Oh, of course, of and course, that's, and that's a fact. And they got to do everything. And, and they got to do everything. Yeah. They got to do everything to make sure nothing like this, you know, happens down the road. I get it's difficult, but they they got to do all they can. Yeah, and uh, they got to that. That's the one thing they can't afford to happen. For the sake of their company, we got the power to shut it down. For the sake of their company, they they bet nothing best better not happen. And that's yep. how I feel about it. Um, Dak Prescott is did he sign his tender already? Uh I thought he did. Okay. So I, I thought I, he signed a tender. Last but I they heard. still got till July fifteenth, I think, to get a long term deal uh going. Yeah, I don't I, I think I think this is they go I think they so I, do you think they're gonna get a deal done before the end of the next year? Hell no. Right. And I and I and I hate saying that because yeah, I want Dak right. to get his money. Of course I do. want him to get the long term contract with the years and all that, but given, you know, the situation with Jerry Jones and the Cowboys and them just kind of messing this thing up from the jump, I don't see it happening. Right. Um and I uh I hate to say it, man. Um, it's not looking good for Dak as a cowboy, man. So you think he does this one year on the one year tender, and then he's off someplace else? I don't. I I'm just gonna say it don't look good. I mm-hmm. would hate it. Don't look good, like it, bro. Amari Cooper, like I. With respect to Amari Cooper, and I know that, uh, and I'm happy he got his money, and I know that he is a integral part of that offense, mm-hmm. bruh. He shouldn't have got that money before Dak. Uh, as a matter of fact, really, outside of Ezekiel Elliott, everybody that got re up, and I get everybody what ain't getting the same amount of money as Dak. And somebody on defense got money too, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it's several people, but and I and I get no contract is as big as Dak's contract, so. But it, it it's just a, it's a slap in the face, man. It's a slap in the face that at this point he got to sign a a a tender, uh, yeah. for, uh thirty one point four mil when he wants you know upwards of thirty four thirty you know thirty four to you know however thirty four and up, right. um, and he feel like he deserve it and for and, and and to be honest, I feel like he deserve it. So, um. It's so just, the tender is thirty one point four million dollars. Yes. So that's that's what he'll get under the tender for next year. Yeah, if they and don't that, get a, if they don't get a deal done. Which, if they right, if they don't beat that July fifteenth deadline, that's correct. I, I hope I'm wrong, but um, I don't I don't see a deal getting done. I don't see it. Yeah, and you and you know what would be like the straw that breaks the camel's back also because this other story with Jamal Adams wanting out of New York and him wanting to come play for the Dallas Cowboys. Right. If the Cowboys somehow was like, okay, 
we're going to trade such and such and such, and we're going to get Jamal Adams, and we're going to sign you to an extension. That right there would just be the ultimate straw in the back. And if I'm Dak at that point, I'm like, look, damn the tender. Let Just just get me the hell up out of here. He's Why don't you trade slapped. me? He's been slapping yeah. his face a few times in the yeah. past year. Um and and there's no there's no way no other way to slice it there's no there's just no other way to slice it yeah for real for real and and speaking of Jamal Adams um what what do you think about that situation um <laughs> what, 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 what like what am I gonna like he want to be traded and he got every right to want to be traded um mm. he's probably a top five safety in the game right now um, I'd say top three. Yeah, um, yeah, okay. I, I, just, I mean, that's just me ramp, you know, going off the top. But yeah, mm-hmm. you, you're probably right, and um, and they don't want to pay him as such. And you know, it's not like this is it's not like he's been the best, you know, for two years. Uh, he 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 was on his rookie years. He came in on the come up. Like he mm-hmm. didn't come in and be sorry. He came in and was on the come up and grew. Oh yeah. And within oh, yeah. four years, he's the t- he's one of the guys in the league. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, there were a couple of games last year he actually wrecked and, you know, wrecked for the other team and actually won for the Jets. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a, a guy like that, I, I, I just don't understand. But in, in defense of Jamal Adams, I know that the Jets last season toyed around with the idea of trading him somewhere else. Right. And he, and he felt a little salty about that, which I understand. And so now we get to this point. And look, I, I don't think the Jets, even with Jamal Adams, who's probably the best player on the entire Jets football team. I, I don't know if I'm, you know, speaking out of line here when I say that. Depends how you but, feel about Le'Veon Bell. Uh, uh, I, I don't think Le'Veon is, you know, what he was when he was in Pittsburgh. Okay. I, I mean, yeah, but, I'm, but, yeah. but it's but it's arguably. Sure. That I, Jamal I, I, would, Adams, I would just add, I would just throw it in there. Okay. I, I would argue that he's probably the best player on the Jets right now. And the fact that this guy is unhappy for whatever reason, it could be that the team stinks. It could be he thinks he doesn't like, he, you know, he doesn't like the management or or he just wants to go play where he's from. I, I heard he's from Dallas, from the area. Um, heard he grew up a Cowboys fan. And so. Why, you know, if you got a chance to go play for America's team, then, you know, have at it. I saw a little clip where he was in his whip and homeboys was like, yo, Jamal, what up, man? He's like, yo, you coming to Dallas? And he was like, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. <laughs> so so that's so that's what lets you know that this this whole thing is is kind of real. Um, I think that the Jets at this point, if they want to. I don't know, sustain their locker room situation. If they don't want this thing to kind of get out of hand, maybe it's in their best interest to just trade him to whatever he wants and just get some draft picks back for him. Yeah, maybe. Who's who? Um. Okay, so he dropped the top five wish list um, that read Dallas, Texans, Ravens, Chiefs, mm-hmm. and Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Um, All your- playoff team. All playoff teams and either and, and uh, all black quarterbacks. Just mm-hmm. throw that out there. Yep. Um, uh, I guess best fit in your mind. Best fit. I would love him on the Ravens. Of course, of course. 
I would, I would, I would, I would love him on the Ravens for certain. Um, man, if if we're talking best fit, let's see. The Chiefs got the Chiefs got safeties. I I, I think they're they're fine with safeties. Tyron Matthews plays safety, right? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I'm not sure if Jamal Adams is a free or strong safety. Um, I think I, he's a strong safety. Okay. Um, because the other I forgot the other um safety's name on the Jets. Um. May is his last name. I can't remember his first okay. name, but um, but I th- I think Jamal Adams is a strong safety. Okay, so um, who's your I, strong I guess safety? The, our strong safety is um, is Earl Thomas is our strong safety. Oh, he's actually oh, so who's the free? He's um, what's what's his name? Um, Levine. Oh, okay. Anthony I thought, Levine. I, yeah. I thought it was the other way around. So okay. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I, I did think about the Texans for a minute there. I, I, I think he he might I fit like, better with the Texans. I think I think I that's what I was going. I was going with the, I was, but I ain't mad at the Seahawks neither. But I'm just thinking in my mind, um, the Texans need need leadership on defense. Yes, um, I, I think, get I, I think get JJ Watts there. Everywhere. Yeah, I, I get JJ Watts there, but. Um, he don't really, he don't really move me. <laughs> I would love to see him in Houston. Yeah, I would yeah, love to I, see him in Houston. Just off the top of my head, I, I, I think he fits best there. And and it's not to say that, let's say he chose the Forty ers or the Chiefs or any other, you know, contending playoff teams that we wouldn't just be like, oh, like really, like what are they gonna do? Like I think every one of these teams has that capability the capability of putting him in you know on the, on the defense that there's a capability there for every team to do that so um but you're right i think the texans off the top of my head they look yeah, like I would think, the, yeah it, i would think they could use him i would think they could use him um i know we don't uh, normally uh report this these these type this type of sports news but this is um this is legendary if I read this and this is true. Um, mm-hmm. When I was a young kid, I was never a big wrestling fan, but there's about a few few of them that I could remember um, coming up, like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, Ultimate Warrior. Um, I read that The Undertaker is just now about to retire. Um, and I don't know how much WWF, and I, yes, I'm saying WWF because that's what it was back then, um, you used to watch it as a kid, but I used to watch a little bit of it, and um, The Undertaker is still wrestling. I'm I'm fucking 36 years old, 37 years old, and this nigga um, <laughs> just about Dude has been wrestling, has been wrestling the same amount of time as we've been alive. <laughs> like, <right>? damn near, <laughs> damn near. Probably longer, like, for real. Um, right, right. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, again, you're not going to get me to act like I'm a WWE or a fanatic or none of that. But um, And I don't watch it, to be honest with you. Um, I don't but, but The Undertaker, he deserves your hat off, your congratulations, your fanfare, your parade. If there is a wrestler that deserves it, it is The Fucking Undertaker. So if um, I read correct. Uh, congratulations on a hell of a career, The Undertaker. Uh, since 1987, mm. this dude started wrestling. So 33 years ago, he he started wrestling, and he's 55 years old now. 
<laughs> which is which is crazy. Which is Dude, crazy. Special in, in the mid fifties and all I, that. I definitely would have stopped at like thirty five. <laughs> yeah, I, I might I might have stopped at twenty something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially especially I don't know I don't know if he goes at the uh, pace as normal wrestlers did, but they like they was on they was working damn near every night. They might have gotten like one two maybe two nights off a week. Mm-hmm. And you know, entertaining and, and traveling and all that shit. So um, yeah, yeah, um, that's a long, uh, tedious career. So yeah. um, if, like I said, if that's the case, uh, definitely congratulations to the Undertaker. Yeah, go on, live a healthy life, man. Yeah, man. Well, whatever, you, whatever it, you can salvage from it, because that is a long, a long fucking career, and it is tiring. Yep, I yep. can imagine. And- and and since we're talking a little bit of, you know, wrestling slash boxing, mixed martial arts, whatever genre you want to call it, um, let me say uh what up to Deacon Dell in the chat room. What's happening? Also got also got Vince Wright repping the X Squad, sports done right up in What's here. Up, the governor? He's got a comment in the chat. He says, You see Oscar De La Hoya wants to come, you know, fight again. And I haven't heard that, but you know, Vince put it out there. Sure. Why not? Uh, Get the bread, right? Well, not even. I mean, look, um, and, and don't take this as me comparing Mike Tyson to Oscar De La Hoya because that is not what's happening. But mm-hmm. um, if there's going to be a, a renaissance of old fighters coming back um, mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to see if they can, you know, try their hand with some of these young boys, um, yep. by all means, go ahead, get you a quick check and get your ass knocked out real quick. And, 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 and we can move and, and you know. And we can move on. But by all means, if you feel like you can condition yourself to get into that and do that, yeah, I mean, by all means, Floyd been talking about it forever and, or, you know, playing with it. And, right. you know, like I said, right. Mike Tyson and uh, Vander Holyfield uh, was talking about it recently. Uh, if if that's if that's what you want to do, player, go ahead. Um, I... I, I will say that a Oscar De La Hoya comeback is the least is the most underwhelming of uh, out of the people I've heard that wanted to come back. Mm-hmm. I'm just not super interested in seeing Oscar De La Hoya fight, but um, but by all means, player. If, so if, if he comes back, if he does make this return, who's the cat that he should fight? I don't know. I like uh, how much. How much is he going to weigh? Um, I mean. <laughs> I I don't I the oldest person in his weight division whoever that would be I you know, like I don't know man like a charity fight maybe he should fight somebody that's you sound uh, annoyed <laughs> yeah I mean I'm not I'm not annoyed it's just I don't know like get your money player but I don't I don't I don't get it I don't get it um I, but who am I to tell us somebody uh, like if you really still love boxing and you love that. Yes. Um, you know, or hell, even if you don't love it like you did, but you just want a reminder of what it felt like to do it. Hey, man, I ain't man. They they killing black niggas in the street right now. It is the least of my concern that um a motherfucker got the itch and got the money and resources to scratch it. Yeah, and RC in the chat, he said he's a, he's a billionaire, so it's like, guy, right, it's really all about the love of the sport at that point. It's I mean, not it deep, could be, you know. Or maybe he ain't as rich as we think we are. I, I, like I said, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm sure he got money. I'm just being facetious. But I, right. I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't I don't care. Like, whoever he comes and fight, he going to have to sell it to me because I, I ain't really interested. 
Right. I ain't really interested right. in watching Oscar De La Hoya fight um, unless he's fighting somebody that I like and I'm going to watch him get pummeled, then that's the case. But because all the f- fighters I like, <laughs> you know, if we talk, if, if I had to guess, if we're talking about, you know, uh, Terrence Crawford's, uh, Jeff Horn's, uh, Errol Spence's, like, mm-hmm. nah, man, you ain't doing, I don't, I don't even know if he was, if he's that heavy, but I, but I would guess. He ain't doing that with none of the, none of these cats. Like none of them. Maybe if he fight, try to fight Pacquiao, but Pacquiao dogged him. His you know he dog like Pacquiao dogged yeah. him. So it's like nah, like I don't want to see that. Yeah, Oscar, get your money, man. But yeah, don't, don't, don't let the, don't let the haters don't let the haters you get know, a loser check, man. Get to you, man. Get a loser check, but it's going to be a loss. Let let's, let the, let Maestro be very clear. It's going to be a loss. Get your get your money, man. Go 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 get your go get your bread, homie. It's gonna be a fucking loss. Get dog. the get the bag. Get the bag, man. Yeah, but go get it, bro. I look. I ain't That's no hater. Get your money, my nigga. But it's gonna be a loss. Just just be prepared for the loss. Uh, speaking of fighting, did you hear what happened to uh, Philadelphia tight end Dallas Goddard? Uh, no. No, okay, I there's a video surfacing. Um, Dallas Goddard, uh, like I said, tight end from uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, got his ass knocked out in a club, um, a bar oh, yeah. or a bar. Let me say a bar in North Dakota. Um, he is from the Dakotas. He went to school um in North Dakota. I want to say um mm-hmm. went to college in North Dakota. Um, from what I uh, gather from the video, and let me let me be clear. Like I I, I got to shoot him a little bit. He was sucker punched. Somebody was messing with him. He was dealing with the person that was messing with him. And the uh, other person caught him slipping. He turned right into the punch, got his ass knocked the fuck out. Um, uh-huh. and, and that's what it was. But um, it was inter- interesting because, um, like, he's from there. Like, people, like, he was in a bar where people knew who he was. They know who he was. He's a, um, you know, he's known out there because he played college ball out there. Um, I just wonder, was it just a, um, you know, I'm in conspiracy theory mode nowadays. I wonder, was it just, uh, you know, somebody being drunk and fucking with him or was, you know, do he got some ill will in this town? Yo, I'm watching the video right now. Yeah. Yo, that dude got knocked out cold. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I, and, and I'll shoot him bail. It was definitely a sucker punch, but yeah, he got, Whoa. he got, he turned right into it. Like, he didn't even see it coming. Like, I can't even tell if he's, like, like he's he's on the floor, yeah. and I don't even see his arms moving. Like, like that that's some serious stuff right there. Like, I hope he's all right. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. They, he put out, uh, or somebody put out a statement and said that he was fine. But he got wow. his ass knocked the fuck out. Wow. Wow. Well, eh, stay out them bars, man. Well, uh, at least uh, go with Stay somebody. Balls, go with somebody or something, guys. Crazy man. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what he did to piss somebody off, but don't do that no more. These decent, decent, crazy times, man. Yeah. Certain, Facts. certain. Um, baseball announced earlier today that they're making this comeback. So here's the dates that I got right. So um, July first is when they'll start up baseball you know some training camp i guess yeah you know for about three four weeks and then july 24th well i guess it wouldn't be four weeks it'll be three weeks july 24th would be the first day of the shortened season which will consist of 60 games i think so 60 games 
within a 66 day period, which means it sounds like it's just going to end, you know, usually about the time that it ends, end of September, early October, that kind of a thing. And then I think what they're going to do as far as playoffs go, I think they're going to expand it. I think they're going to put like eight teams per league in the playoffs. Um, so my, my question is this, right? Because I, I think, you know, they, they in NBA, they, there's this conversation about whoever wins the title, you know, is going to have an asterisk, you know, next to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I disagree with that from the sense that the NBA has played about 67, 68 games already before the shutdown. So in the case of the NBA, it would just be them just kind of coming back, starting eight games. In the end total, it'll be probably a 70-something game season. And then the playoffs start, and then they'll crown a champion. Uh, Baseball, their season is cut short by Mm two-thirds at this point. Um, Whoever wins the chip in, in baseball this year, deserves an asterisk and i don't care if it's the yankees if it's the dodgers or your nationals i i I don't care when you cut a season like that two-thirds you're you're gonna have an asterisk whoever wins the chip if the the yankees win you're gonna be like it's an asterisk yeah absolutely nationals absolutely i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take it back if you're asking me am i gonna take it back no i ain't gonna take it back i ain't asterisking Shit! If the if the Nationals get that chip again, I'm gonna act like it was a full season. I don't care about nothing y'all talking about. Well, that that's a little insane. <laughs> but okay, I, hey. I, I ain't I ain't gonna I ain't gonna act like it's a full season. I'm I just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say, hey, we won. What I don't care if the season was short, long, whatever. Asterisk y'all want to throw ass. an asterisk on it? Fine. Asterisk I'll take ass. the chip. Still I'll going take in the, yeah. Yeah, fuck it, fuck your asterisk. I, yeah, you can say what you want to say. Why did if it was if it's such an asterisk? Why didn't your team win? That's what I'm gonna say. If it's yeah, such a damn and, asterisk. And and the reality is, Maestro. The reality is is that if the Nationals or the Yankees do win the chip, nobody's gonna talk about oh, you know, they deserve an asterisk. But if somebody like the Pirates or or, or the Marlins, you know, win the World Series, then folks are gonna be like, yo. That team deserve an asterisk. Like that I wouldn't team say that. Good. I wouldn't say that. No, I know you wouldn't say it, and I wouldn't say it either. But I know that that'll be a, a conversation down the road if it were to happen like that. Yeah. I know the majority of you know mainstream media is gonna say, "Hey, you know, this was a shortened season." Like Who if they played one hundred and sixty-two. Who won in the NBA championship in '99? Was that the Spurs? That was the Spurs. Yes. Do we put an asterisk on that? Um, I'll be honest. With you. I I I I'll be honest with you. Um, at that time, um, you know, I I was upset that we lost the you know the sure. championship anyway. Sure. I I was upset, and you know, you know the Spurs. I was like the Spurs, like where, where these dudes come from? Like you know, at that time the Spurs hadn't won anything, mm-hmm. you know, up until that point. So. For me, not only because my team lost, but it was just the Spurs. Like this, this no name team coming out of nowhere. And then the next thing you know, two thousand three come, they win the chip, and then oh five, oh seven, and it's like, oh, okay, 
right. <laughs> all right. I, I, I ain't mad at y'all Spurs. All right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, 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 I was I was kind of salty about that. Yeah. And um, I, I think most people at that time felt like um, the Spurs deserved an asterisk until 2003, 2005. So you got so you gotta run it. So you gotta run. Basically, you have to become a dynasty for the Asterix to disappear. Um, not necessarily a dynasty, but if they won another one, like so, let's say, let's say in baseball, let's say somebody like, and I won't even go like the extreme. I'll just say like a team that was maybe on a bubble last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, let's let's say the Mets. Let, let, let the Mets were on a bubble last year. Let's say the Mets go out. They win the World Series this year. Um, everybody's going to say, oh, you know, this is, you know, it was an asterisk. You know, they didn't really, you know, play that much, many games to prove themselves. Let's say three years from now, you know, they win another chip with some of the same core that they got, you know, with Syndergaard and DeGrom and those guys. Let's say they win another one in three years. Um, I, I, I think we, at least for me, I, I would remove that asterisk off of them. But they don't necessarily have to go like, you know, win three out of the next five or, gotcha. you know, three in a row. They don't have to do that. If they just win another one, you know, then that's enough for me to just be like, I, right, you know, y'all, y'all made your point. You know, we, we, we sorry about the asterisks. We, yeah. we, we made your point. So. Right. Right. Um, so uh, RC in the chat room says Ewing was hurt in the 99 playoffs. And Vince Wright responds yeah. with, uh, he doesn't know if the Knicks would have won with Ewing anyway. Your uh, response? Um, I, I tell you what, Ewing at that point was, he was close to the end, man. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I hate the fact that, you know, we traded him in 2000 to the Sonics, which which was I thought was disrespect at the time. Right. But it's, it's so funny. I, I heard somebody talking on TV the other day. And when you really think about it, when Ewan came in, Bernard King was probably one of the better scorers in the league at that time. You're talking mid to late 80s. And you thought that that would be like, you know, the dynamic duo, Bernard King, Ewing, that kind of a thing. And then Bernard King um, goes through all these injuries and he's never the same. And, you know, Ewing goes on, you know, throughout his career with the Knicks as, you know, the number one guy without really an elite scorer or, you know, a second guy. He didn't get that guy until Allen Houston came into the fold, you mm-hmm. know, back in 96, 97. And by that time, Ewing was just on his way, you know, down. Like, he, he was just on his way. Um, so that, that I think in the case of Ewing, that was unfortunate for his career because he never had a second scorer. Um, you know, until Allen Houston came aboard, and at that point, you know, it was close to being too late. Right, right. Um, okay, so I I have this this next topic has a little bit of a um, little bit of research that I was trying to hurry up and research before you uh, got done talking. What year did Paul George leave Indiana? I thought he left in 20 I thought he left in 2016. Okay, uh it, it pulled up 2017. 17. Uh, okay. okay. Who okay. was the best power forward in the game 
at that time in 2017? 2017, the best power forward? Yeah. 2017. Um, Best power forward in the game? Yeah. Man. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I, I, I meant to do this before, mm-hmm. um, before we got on, but, mm-hmm. um, I, 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 I forgot in short, I forgot into 2017. I don't think there was really, I don't know. You might have to go with somebody by default. I mean, unless you want to call LeBron a power forward on certain occasions, well, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't LeBron. Um, um, I just googled who was the best power forward in 2017, and these are some of the names that came up. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Durant, who we know, that he's not talking about him. Uh, right. Anthony Davis. Okay. Draym- Draymond Green. I thought about Draymond too, uh, but I don't think he was ever. The I don't best. think he was the best, though. I don't uh, think he was the best. Blake either. Griffin. Um, Lamar- Wasn't he in Detroit at that point? He was still with the Clippers at that I, point. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. Um, okay. Would you okay. say he was? Would, would he? Would you say he was at least considered the best power forward? Um, you know, I would say he people? was. I would say he was considered. Yes. Okay. So. Um, Paul George did a podcast called the Knuckleheads Podcast recently, and he told a story about why he left Indiana. The -hmm. story goes, um, and of course I'm paraphrasing, the story goes, um, the best power forward in the game at the time, he didn't want to say his name because he didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to put somebody's business out there. The best power forward in the game came to me and said, I want to play with you in Indiana. Mm. He said, "Bet went to his went to Indiana and said, "Hey, so and so wants to come play with me. We need to make that happen." Right. Uh, the Indiana Pacers replied, "Nah, we can't. We can't afford him. Um, this is a small market. We ain't gonna have the money to give him. You know, to keep him happy." Oh, wow. Um, this is what Paul. This is Paul George's account. Then, uh, sometime later, they came back to Paul George um, and said, okay, we can't get such and such, but here, uh, but we got this other power forward who is a top 25 power forward in the game, and he's coming off of an injury. So when, Paul, when they came to Paul George with that, and as a counter, he said, all right, called his agent and said, get me up out of here. So first, I, first, um, you know, chat room. If you're listening, we could try to uh, pick this out together. Who was the best power forward in 2017? One, and who was, uh, and who was that top 25 power forward that um, that came off of an injury in 2000? So who was injured in 2016 um, into 2017? Who possibly? came to the Pacers or could have came, you know, I don't know if they actually signed the guy or not. Um, the, they didn't elaborate on that. Um, mm-hmm. I, so I guess if I'm, who was the, who, who, and here we are Googling again. I want to find out who was the power, who was their power forward in 2017 first. Who was, who was the best or no, no, who, who was, was the, the dude that Paul George was talking about? Who was the guy that was coming off of injury and ended um, 
Indiana Pacers. Shit, I can't type. Pacers. It, it sounds like it's Blake Griffin. It sounds like it's Blake Griffin, possibly. So Blake it's, Griffin, it, um, possibly coming to Indiana mm-hmm. and playing with Paul George. Which, by the way, I still don't think is a championship team. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. it just, sounds like because I I I don't know if there was this seat if it was that season prior to 2017 but i remember the clippers getting bounced out the first round because blake and cp3 i thought missed some time during that first round of the playoffs i think they lost to the blazers in the first round that year and i'm if it's if if it's that year then i think paul george is referring to blake griffin okay and then I'm sitting here looking at the Pacers roster. I don't think they picked up that guy. Whoever the top 25 guy was that they mm-hmm. offered uh, Paul George to come play with him, I don't think they picked that guy yet. So I'm trying to think who was a top 25 point guard coming off of – I'm sorry, power forward. Power forward. Coming off of injury in 2017. Because uh, George, whoever the guy – whoever was named – Paul George was adamant in saying that he was uncomfortable with that guy um, coming to Indiana and being the, you know, the second scorer and said, get me up out of here. And then, uh, you know, obviously he goes to Oklahoma City, rest is history. Um, but, uh, and, and, I, and I'm guessing we're not going to figure that out. But what I got to thinking about is, what, what, what kind of hit me is that they told Paul George that we don't have a we don't have the money to pay him. We're in a small market team, which would, um, you know, obviously, you know, in city advertisements and stuff like that that brings players extra money. Um, I, I get that dynamic. Aside but, from the fact that players don't want to play in cold climate. Well, the guy said to Paul George, "I want to come play with you." Mm-hmm. So that so that wasn't the issue. The guy felt like that. Him, Paul George, and that roster was yep. good enough to make some noise because he said to him, um, "You know, you know, come fuck with me." And yeah, he right. said, and he and Paul George, you know, like I said, went to his uh, management and and tried to uh, make the uh, make the play. Um, but we, but do small market teams and and do small do small market teams just don't scout top talent because of their market? Um, I hope not. <laughs> because for them to say, I, I, I hope not. if Paul George's account is correct, why would you know? Why would they say? Why would they say? Hey, we're not even going to try to get this dude because we got a small market. Yeah, wh- whoever said that needed to get fired. I, I don't know who. If it was the GM, a scout, or, or hell, even the owner, I don't know who said that. But whoever did. They needed to get some smoke for that. You, then, you don't ex- you don't expose yourself like that to one of the better players in the. You don't do that. So I'm sitting here thinking. I'm sitting here thinking. Uh, when it when is the, when was the last time that you could think of where an acquisition hmm. in a small market team, a small market city, where where when when has a big name come to a small market? When was the last time in your the, mind? The uh, free agency or trade? There's a difference. Um. Well, uh, well, for shits and giggles. Well, no. Well, let's say both. Both. 
a okay. big name, a superstar. Because again, okay. if, if the assumption if the assumption is is that it's Blake Griffin, Blake mm-hmm. Griffin was a quasi. I mean, I guess you would have to call him a superstar in two, 2017. Um, you know, but I would say yep. quasi. Um, top. I would say he was top fifteen. At like as far as, as as star status. Star status. Yes. Right. So. Yeah, when when is the last time a superstar or, or let's just say a star for shits and giggles? Um, okay, I don't traded. have to go back. I, okay. I don't have to go back that far. Um, Kawhi Leonard got traded to the Raptors. Now, it, it, when you look at the Raptors and you look at the city of Toronto, it's a big city. I think the problem is is that I think people outside of the NBA and in the, within the landscape look at Toronto as a small market team because the history shows that they were never able to acquire or lure free agents to come to Toronto. And it may have something to do with the fact that they're in Canada, you know, passport situations and all that stuff. You know, it it might have something to do with that. But that comes to mind where a guy gets traded to so you a consider, place that you consider Toronto a small market. I don't consider Toronto a small market. It's a big city. And I think if you if you took Toronto and you put it in the United States, they're a top 10. They're a top 10 market. I think they're a top 10 market now. No, I'm saying they're I'm saying like population wise, you put Toronto in the United States ranked with all the other cities here with New York Philly, Dallas, you know, L.A., Chicago, you put them with that group, they're top 10. They're, they're top 10 markets. I might argue they're top five. Let's go down the list. Top markets. Well, New York, L.A., Chicago, that's the top three. Okay. That, that's, always, that's always been the top three. Um, after that, you, you're probably looking at Houston and Dallas. After that. I don't think you, Dallas is a bigger market than Toronto, but maybe Houston. Oh, maybe. man. You, are you talking about basket? Uh, we're talking about basketball market. We're talking about basketball. We're talking basketball. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out what that means when you say if we're well, talking basketball. Meaning, meaning a meaning that a player can come. Like, see, the thing is, is that a player being able to come here and make money because fans like basketball. So, um, okay. So, so you're talking about like the fan base, like who has like which which big city market has that fan base, right? Yeah, is so, that what so, you're looking at? Right. So so he can make he's going to get endorsement money because okay. he's going to get more. Endo- so he would get more endo- if we're talking about Kawhi, he would get more endorsement money in Toronto than he would in Dallas. Dallas is more of a football, more of a football, more of a football thing, more of a football city. It's a football, it's a football city, no it's, question about it's it. More no of question a foo- about it. Um, um, he would get more money in Toronto than he would. I hate to say it, but he would get more money in Toronto than he would in DC. He would get more money in Toronto than he would in Milwaukee. He would get more. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's in, it's, in Atlanta. Yeah. 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 So, um, so. If we're talking, um, and Vince Wright just said it because I was going to. Uh, Golden State is probably is probably top, not probably top five. Bay Golden Area, is, yeah, they're top five right now. Top five, okay. So we're and again, we're just talking in basketball circles. We're, we're not just, talking population. Yeah, right. We're not talking size. Okay. Okay. We're talking about people that that patronize the NBA. Okay. So we're we're really talking like 
we're talking fan bases, but we're talking fan bases and we're also talking about endorsement opportunities. Right. We're talking about, in, and so, so the population of people that are basketball basketball fans and would see um, mm-hmm. you know, Kawhi Leonard on the cover of a, a local a local business and people would buy start patronizing that business because Kawhi's Leonard face is on it. You know what I'm saying? Where right. uh the the percentage of people that would patronize that product now because Kawhi Leonard is the face of that you know that market. So right. if we're right. talking top top five, um, and then and, and and I don't know, I you know New York, I I I, I get it, but you, New York ain't a big try one. to try to try to remove the ineptitude of the Knicks from that and just look at who patronizes the Knicks. There's a lot of New Yorkers and people outside of New York that do patronize the Knicks despite them, you know, being so bad for, you know, for so long. Golden State it, is a bigger market than Chicago. It is a bigger market than New York right now. Um, I don't remember who the th- uh, first person you mentioned, um, L.A. So I would um, – they're not a bigger market than L.A., but I would so – top, So top five. Golden State is in the top five. I Golden State is in the top five. I would, I, I'd be honest with you, and, and, and maybe it's my bias for New York, and, and I, I'll admit that, that maybe that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have New York or Chicago being top five. Um, I, I think I agree with you with the Bulls. I just I just think with the Knicks, if you, could, if you just combine the... Um, and they damn sure not going to be this year the way uh, your boy... Of course not. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. But... I'm I'm just looking at if we're talking opportunities to make money, New York City is always going to have those opportunities, whether the Knicks are good or whether they're bad. Um, just because it's new, just because it's New York, um, the fan the fan base is always going to show up for the Knicks, I despite get that, whether they're good or whether they're bad. I get that, but I disagree with you. I don't think I don't uh I don't think people are gonna buy um, you know, New York fried hot dogs because of um uh uh who am I talking about? Because Julius Randle is on the cover of it. You get what I'm saying? Okay. Um, you know what I'm saying? So it's not like the endorsement money whereas uh whereas if Julius Randle was balling out in uh, Golden State. Mm-hmm. If like if he had the stats he had in New York in Golden State, we could we can get him some endorsement money. Got okay, okay. You no, know what I, I'm I, yeah, I don't, okay. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Chicago, New York is in the top five. Um, and you know, I wonder if I wonder, and I'm you know, I don't want to be blasphemous here. I wonder if we can get mm-hmm. New York and Chicago out of the top ten. I wonder. I don't know. I I I really don't know. I mean, when you're talking, so again, I think you're you're talking about endorsement opportunities. Um, you're talking about the ability to sell a product because so and so plays for this particular team. Um, I think you're referring to the fan base of that team. So if you combine those three things all together. No, there's no question in my mind that Golden State is there, and it it, it might it might be number one. 
it might be number one right now. Yeah, they're charging, though, 70, they're charging $75 in that new stadium for you to stand up. Right, right. Even though Golden State's not having, you know, a good year this year. And we know why. It's not yeah. because they don't have talent. Yeah. Um, I got, I got, I got to look at L.A. being in that top five. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, L- L- LA, is, L.A. is right there. Uh, now, would, are we counting markets or are we counting teams? Because if we're counting teams... I think the Clippers are right there too. Um, I would say teams, but I don't know. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know if the Clippers are top five though. In terms of marketing, and, yeah, yeah, uh, I, really, I, yeah, I don't the team because the and I'm and, I, and like I said, we obviously we freestyling, but and maybe it's easier to just go by city. Well, because the. No, it's easy to go by teams because the the Clippers don't okay. get the same love as the Lakers. Like that's just not the case. Even with okay. Kawhi, even with the team that they have arranged, the Lakers are still the big dogs right now. They're still the big, and they'll always be the big dogs. I don't know in, if they'll always LA. be, but they certainly are right now. Yeah, uh, I think they always will be until the Clippers can, you know, maintain some stability in terms of winning championships. But you know, that's you know, we'll have a conversation about that further down the road. But so if we're talking teams, Lakers, Warriors, um I tell you what, I you, don't you think about the Heat yeah, as being top 5? Maybe. I the Miami was who I was going to mention when you asked me. Um but when you hit me with the 3, uh you know New York Chicago kind of threw me off. But um yeah, I mean cuz again, I would put Miami above Chicago. Yeah, I would put more, and and I and, and as much as I hate to say it, I think you got to put Boston in that mix too. Right, exactly, exactly. You know, you, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't, and and that's a place that you don't hear a lot of you know free agents wanting to you know go to Boston. Not you know historically. I mean, you had Kemba Walker do it this past off season, but prior to that, you had Ray and Garnett get traded there, but. Nobody played to the end of the contract and said, I'm going to go play for the Celtics. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's happened with the Warriors recently. Right. Uh, that's happened with the Lakers in previous moments. Um, it, it, it's happened with a lot of bigger um, market teams. You know, that's that's more, you know, noticeable. That's, you know, more marketable. Right. Uh, it's happened to the Heat. Yeah, which which is why which is why I bring Miami into the picture. Um, I, I think you got to put Miami in the top five. Okay, let me think about this. I I, I think I think Miami's got to be there. So um, Golden State, Lakers, Golden State, Lakers, the Heat, the Heat, uh, the Celtics, the Celtics, and the fifth that fifth one. I I I, I still, if I mean again, we're is talking opportunities. Opportunities to make money. Well, I, I guess Houston. Yeah, I, I guess Houston is. Um, yeah, I, I, Houston. Yeah, and now, 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 now that you say that, I, I think the Rockets' um, ability to, you know, because they they were the ones that sort of introduced China to the NBA because of the Yao Ming yeah, connection uh-huh. and, that, and that kind of a thing, and so that marketing took it to you know it took marketing to the next level. With the NBA, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say the Rockets. I, okay. So I guess that's the five. Okay, I guess um, that's the five in terms of marketability, in terms of um, players coming there and being able players to get coming the endorsement there. money. 
being able to get their endorsement money and, and things like Indiana. that. Uh, no, no, it's it's not Indiana. But I, I gotta say this about the Pacers, though. You know, for for as long as they've been successful, they've been a successful franchise. And I, I remember weeks ago when we were talking about Jerry Sloan, I said that the Jazz was probably one of the best franchises of the four, you know, team sports mm-hmm. in this country without a championship. Right. I think the Pacers are probably number two, number three ish, you know, in that in that group. Because when you, you know, you go through the history of the Pacers. So you get the Reggie Miller years and Reggie stayed his entire career with Indiana. There was no, you know, I'm going to L.A. I'm, you know, I'm going to go to a bigger market, that kind of a thing. There was none of that with Reggie. Reggie stayed put in Indiana. Right. So you had that run. Then you had the Steven Jackson, Ron Artest, Jermaine O'Neal. Um, couple of years there, and I know the fight that happened at the Palace that kind of changed things for that franchise. And then you had the Paul George years with Hibbert and West, and you know, and Stevenson and those guys. And now you got the, you know, the Oladipo crew with you know with those guys. They've been. It it, it seems like. You could change the players, you could change the general managers, you could hell, you could change the jerseys, and some way, somehow, the Pacers always end up, you know, competing for a playoff spot or they're in the playoffs. Interesting point. Interesting point. So, um, so, but but we're we're confident in saying that the only way that small market teams be, can become uh, major market teams is in the draft. They gotta find that the guy. Draft like for instance, when a trade. Well, like I said, I don't know. I mean, unless who is gonna trade their superstar to a small market? You know what I'm saying? Who's gonna ha- Who's gonna trade them? Well, it it happened with the Spurs. The Spurs traded Kawhi to Toronto, and I and again, I'm not saying that Toronto is a small market team. I just think because of the dynamic between a Canadian team and the rest of the teams in this country. I think there's I, I think there's a for some reason I don't think there's a small and, and, market and, and, team. I let me, what's let that? Me, I said let me just cut you off. I don't think they're a small small market team. I no, think they're I, a top ten market team, so I don't think that, that that um that example is relevant to the conversation because Toronto ain't a small market team. Well, let me put it like this. They're a big market that's been looked at as a small market. If I, if if that if that I don't better, even know if who, that better better explains. I don't it. even know how they how I don't even know how you look at it look at them as a small market. I mean, because when they was Kyle Lowry built that city. Let's be very clear. Kyle Lowry and Chris Bosh built that built that that basketball market. Um, and they were while they weren't top five. They were one of them teams since they've been there. They were one of them teams that um, when you look in there, when you look in their stands, them stands is full. People fuck with the Raptors. I mean, hell, even I mean, I wouldn't say they was. And a big full market. disclosure, they never played together. Just so, who's that? You said you said Lowry and Bosch. I'm just saying full disclosure, they they never played together. Okay, well, I'm I'm just saying that they. Those I wasn't sure said, if you meant to say that because you thought they. No, I was more. So, I was more so just okay. saying that okay. those those types of talents, like even I mean, I I, I don't think Vince Carter built the city, but Vince Carter and uh, you know Vince Carter was certainly the. Um, I think he helped put the. He was Raptors. a building block. He was a building block. Him and McGrady were building blocks. 
Um, but there was a, a built yeah, but there was a yeah, there was a time when um, you know they weren't, and then they kind of gradually became a top ten market in the in the league. And let's be clear, at least at least since uh, let's say right before right before Bosch left. And what was that? 2003, two thousand three, two thousand six. Was that two thousand ten? It was all in two thousand ten when he left uh, Toronto. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, because yeah, remember cause LeBron, yeah. LeBron gotcha, and gotcha, Fox. Gotcha, yep. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yep, yep. Um, um, they they was they was on the fringe. They was on the fringe, yeah. and, and it was because yeah. and it was because they were winning. They were, you know, it was because they were winning. It's not like. Kyle Lowry or even Chris Bosh was some great big superstar, but um, they they were consistently winning, and fans eventually started coming. They they got one of the better fan bases in the league. I agree with you there. I, I was I was waiting for you to talk about the fan base in Toronto. Yeah, they they do have one of the better fan bases in the NBA. Um, I don't know. I I, I think we just kind of slightly, uh, or we might be saying the same thing in terms of. You know, are they small market? Are they large market? Um, I I agree with you that they're they are a Toronto's a big city. Uh, that fan base is rabid. It's it probably has a top. It's probably got a top three fan base. Cal I mean, Lowry is probably making a uh, has probably made a lot of money in it's endorsements. Possible. It's no, it's it's possible. It's it's certainly possible. I'll I'll say this though. Every offseason when there's a superstar that's on the market that's, you know, fulfilled the end of the contract with a particular team, you never hear the Raptors in conversations of a possible destination for some of these guys. Okay. You you you, al- you almost never hear it. Okay. So maybe that's why I'm kind of leaning towards them um until you and but until not, one- not being a not being a popular destination for superstars i and and once again i get that it's a big it's a it's a big city um you know vince wright said in the chat they're top four you know in the entire i think continent i think um but historically when you look at players that have gone on from their other contracts from other teams you almost never hear toronto as a destination well, uh, you, but, you never hear it. Yeah, but until Kawhi Leonard, though. Now that was that wasn't free agency. That was a trade. Okay. Well, I mean, but we did say trade and free agency, though. Sure, sure. We we did say that. Yeah, yeah. But I think it. But I think it also. I think to answer your question about they traded him um, to a big small, market. They they traded him to a yes. They traded him to a bigger market um, than San Antonio, obviously. Um, but. The Spurs, um, we left them out when we were talking about who's top five. I don't think they're top five. You don't. You don't think they? I, I think the thing about the Spurs, I think, I think there's lack of endorsement opportunities yeah, in San Antonio. Maybe, maybe. Um, I, I, th- I think there's lack of opportunities there for that. Um, as far as fan base is concerned, I think they're right up there with some of the other teams in terms of fan base. Um, they're one of the, you know, they've been successful for the last 20 something years. Um, but when it comes to opportunities to make money elsewhere, San Antonio is not the place. I think Toronto is a place. Um, New York is a place. I think Golden State 
and you know that Bay Area I think is a place Houston for certain Boston a little uh, in terms of endorsement deals with Boston I don't know I think it's probably like midway between mm-hmm. what a San Antonio is and what a Toronto is mm-hmm. but their fan base in Boston is rabid like they they fill the place up every night but that's so. why I, that's why I think that Boston is up there like you don't have to mm-hmm. if you're the best player like I can imagine Tatum's numbers about I can imagine Tatum's numbers up as far mm-hmm. as endorsements everybody know who Jason Tatum is in Boston right. and you know I hate to say this too but if the Celtics are smart and I I got to believe that they got some smart people in that organization they will lock Jason Tatum up for life to be yeah. a Celtic <laughs> yeah the, yeah. with, you know, with with his trajectory and all that. I got one but, more. I got one more thing. Um, okay, um, I, I got like a, I got like a couple things. Okay, well you 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 throw some because I, I I feel like I was just working working my shit. Oh no, it's, it's all good. It was a good conversation to have yeah. though. Definitely, you know, something worth talking about. Um, I I left this out last week. I, I meant to bring it up, but we were kind of you know ready to get off the you know podcast and all that. Um. Kerry Champion, as you know, is no longer with ESPN, right? Mm -hmm. So her production company and Jamel Hill's production company are going to produce a brand new show that's going to premiere on the Vice Network. Yeah, I heard that. At some some point later this year. And it's going to be sort of what uh, Desus and Miro did, you know, before they went to Showtime. So basically... Both their production companies are going to collab. They both have control of their content, which means they're going to, you know, decide what they're going to talk about, how they want to talk about it. And, you know, ain't nobody going to tell them nothing. You know what I'm saying? Um, This is brilliant. Um, This this is this. This is what's needed right now. What the hell happened to Michael Smith, man? Um, didn't he invest in some kind of media company or something? I thought I saw on Twitter like a couple years ago. I thought he made like a huge investment in something. And uh, um, I mean, I, I think he's doing. I think he's doing well though. Okay. I, I I really think he's doing well. It's just that I think he's just kind of playing a different role away from the TV. Well, no shade to to uh, Jamel Hill and Curry Champion. No shade to that at all. I'm happy for that. I want to see Jamel Hill and Michael Smith figure it out, man. That's what I want to see. I was an avid fan of the podcast, His and Hers, not the shit they try to put on TV and all that. But yeah, the, right, right. the podcast, I was an avid fan of that. Um, I, I hate that it ended the way it did for that, uh, you know, that talent do combination. You, do you think it was because those two had a falling out or do you no, think no, it was no, no, just no. ESPN? Okay. I, no, okay. Yeah. I just, I think it was ESPN. I think, um, okay. you know, that didn't work okay. out and Jamel Hill got, you know, got into it with Donald Trump at the time. And, you know, and yeah. then, you know, like, no ESPN fucked that up, but, uh, yeah, I, I would, I wish they could, I, I wish they could figure that out now that both of those guys are, um, well, I don't even, I haven't, I'm assuming that Michael Smith is gone from ESPN. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's, yeah. For them. Yeah, nah. so I, I would love to see them figure that out. Um, nah. I loved, so. I, I did really, I really did enjoy that uh, that dynamic. But shout out to Curry Champion and Jamel Hill because uh, you know I like that dynamic too. Don't, don't, I, don't I will watch confused. that show. Yeah, I'd watch. I'd watch it. I mean, I'm not saying I would like you know 
set my timer and tune in. But you know, if I'm flipping and say, "Oh shit, yeah," I, I would definitely watch it because I like I like both of them. Yeah. Shout out to Kurt Champion, her attractive it. ass. And, and I would, and I tell you what, good insight too. Who's that? Curry Champion. I like listening to her talk. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I still, I, I mean, I, I, I'm an avid listener to Jamel Hill's podcast. Anyway, the one that she does on Spotify. So yeah, yeah. I, um, I loved Carrie's interview on all the smoke, uh, podcasts uh, a while back. She, she, she did the the podcast with uh, Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson. She actually um, did a, um, she did an interview years ago with my man's, um. My man's who do uh, shout out to my man uh, New to Mayor. He does a, a a podcast called a podcast called Kickback. But mm-hmm. back then, I forget the name with the old name of it. But uh, he did an interview with Curry Champion after um, trolling her on Twitter for a while. But that's oh, my okay. man's good man's from the DMV area. Uh, he in Atlanta now. Good man's uh, New to Mayor. Shout out to him. Mm-hmm. Their first guest. When whenever this show kicks off between Jamel and Carrie, their first guest Michael Smith have to be you. You, you say Michael Smith? Okay, okay. I, I can't I can't argue with that one. I can't argue with that. Their first guest to me has to be Angela Rye, Amanda Seals, and you get those four women in a room together to talk politics to talk anything whatever white white folks ain't gonna be ready for those kind of conversations because you know all four of those women are gonna tell it like it is and it's not gonna filter anything i'll be up for that i ain't mad at that i ain't mad at that i i, I would be i would be up for that for certain and, and speaking of amanda seals uh she left the real yeah um a few weeks back yeah yeah, she she was too real for the real. That that's kind of how I put it. She just said I, her, she said it didn't sit right with her spirit. I mean, I get it. She looked uncomfortable. She I, I haven't I watched a few episodes, you know, or seen a few episodes on Instagram. You know, just scrolling through mm-hmm. Instagram. She looks yep. uncomfortable every single time. They talk about a whole bunch of shit that she don't really seem interested in. Um, mm. You know, I'm glad. I mean, I was happy that she tried it. You know, what I'm saying like, you know, she, right, you right. Know, she's a dope yeah. personality, but not 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 for that. Not for that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I hear you. I hear you, man. But um, yeah, she, she wanted to do her own thing, and you know, hey, I, I, I like her like career path and everything. You know, comedian. Um, you know, I think she put an album out years ago. Like she used to rap and all this stuff. She and... used to sing with Floetry when um. Right, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. she used to sing with Floetry, and um, you know, I, I, I remember, her, I remember that show, My Brother and Me. That was on Nickelodeon. That was uh, that was Amanda Seals playing Dion, which was the I think the the sister's friend. They used to come over the house. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you just you just know about that. You don't know about that. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't know about that. Yeah. I, I, I I think folks know what I'm talking about that are listening. But yeah, yeah, she you know from way from '94. We're talking about from 1994 all the way to now. That mm-hmm. that's how I, that's how I knew about her. So. So shout out to Amanda Seals, man. Um, so I, I got one more thing, right? I, I think this is of importance to talk about because I, I I brought this issue up with Vince Wright a couple of weeks ago, and I and I thought that with everything going on with the protest, Black Lives Matter, and the NFL coming out, you know, Roger Goodell coming out to claim Black Lives Matter, and all the black quarterbacks and players coming out. 
um, defending Black Lives Matter in the fashion that they did. So the Detroit Lions owner, Marsha Ford, um, is giving up her ownership to her daughter. Um, I, I don't remember the daughter's name. I, I, I thought I had the um, article here, but um, so they're they're giving up the ownership. They're stepping down, letting, you know, the younger children take over the franchise and, you know, kind of helping it move forward. So so when I when I saw this story earlier, right, um, and by the was, way, the daughter is Sheila Ford, Sheila Ford. OK, yeah, appreciate that. So when I when I saw the story earlier, I thought about what I said to Vince Wright a couple weeks ago. And I said that I predict that at some point you're going to start to see owners across the league start to pass down their franchises to their kids. Because I because I think that we've gotten to a point where owners are not going to not not so much that they don't know how to deal with what's going on. And maybe that is the case, but that they wouldn't be able to navigate their franchises um, through this. So instead of, you know, fighting something that you don't believe in or navigating through something that you don't believe in, um, pass it down to a younger generation that can um, lead these franchises and be hip to what's going on with social injustice and Black Lives Matter and, you know, things like that. I don't expect it to happen in waves. Um, I think this could happen in the next five, six, seven years where you start to see changes in ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll and I, I give you a couple of good examples. Um, I think we referenced the Texans last week and, you know, the owner passing away, you know, prior. Um, I remember that incident that he got smoked for. It was the statement where he said, we can't have the inmates running the asylum. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah, I won't speak on dead people, but. Uh, yeah, that 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 was that was terrible. Yeah. But 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 the, the the franchise has new ownership now. Um, so I think with the Texans, I think at the top, they'll be able to navigate through. Um, you know, what this country's been preaching about in terms of Black Lives Matter and social injustice. I think the Seahawks ownership has um, been able to adjust to the things that have been happening. You know, the face of the team spoke out, um, hosted the ESPYs um, a couple nights ago. Um, Real strong. Shout out to Russell Wilson for doing that. Um, I think the Seahawks ownership is in a position to where they can navigate their franchise through this. Um, I don't think the Ravens owner is going to go anywhere because he's already come out and, you know, down with the cause and all that. I don't think he's going anywhere, but I think teams like the giants where you still got, you know, crusty old crusty white ownership still at the top, uh, like the giants, the bears, um, maybe the Cardinals. I'm trying to think of a few more teams, off the top of my head, um, but I, I just hope that the young crusty white folks ain't racist like the old ones. 
Yeah, yeah, sure, and and I get that could be a I get that that's a concern. I I, I do. I mean, get I, that. I mean, I, look, look. If I owned the team, I would probably pass it to my kids too. I get it. I, I'm that's mm-hmm. not the, that's not my issue. I just hope that um, they're properly navigating these situations. Right, right. So, so I made that prediction a couple weeks ago, and you see it now with the Lions, and so it's like, okay, this is the first. Domino to fall. Mm. Let's How see. How long before Jerry Jones and I, James Dolan? Yeah, yo, yeah, yeah. Because um, Jerry's been silent, and I saw Gerald McCoy kind of call him out on TV uh, the other day. Um, I didn't watch that interview, but I, I did see some comments from him about that. Um, yeah, Jerry's been silent, man. Um, I mean, we obviously know how he feels. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I mean, he's. Fr- He's at very least complicit. Yeah. Oh, for at certain. At very least. For, for, for certain. Like, is he is he going to give the team to Stephen Jones? Is he going to be like, I'm going to step down and hand the team over to my son? I, I don't know. I don't know neither. Jerry loves the camera too much to do that, in my opinion. He'll be on camera, though. Yeah, that's true. But I think it would take yeah, attention I, away I th- from. I think, he likes being, <laughs> I think he likes being the owner. I, I get it. Yeah. You know, I get it. I, yeah, he he would take attention away from Cowboys owner new Cowboys ownership that is. So I think this is a good thing what the Lions did. Um, you know, with the owner, you know, passing it down to a daughter and just letting her daughter um, navigate through this, and you know, and I, and I think it's good. I mean, we talk about it even in real life, where one day when we you know get older and we have all these assets that we would like to pass it down to our kids. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, when it is our time, you know, our kids don't have to struggle with acquiring what we left behind. They already have it. Right. So I think this is good in that sense. I also think it's good in a sense that um, and I don't I don't know Martha Ford from a can of paint. I, I don't know her, but it sounds like and I haven't heard her comment about Black Lives Matter either. But it sounds like she's just said, you know what? This is a climate that I just can't get with. And she also let, let was my, the let my uh, daughter. She was also the Detroit, the owner who uh, donated money to some cause uh, a, a, a black uh, black movement cause of a few years back when it, when when the first surge of police brutality was happening and players had yes. went to her lobbying that you know we need to help in some kind of you know some way shape form or fashion. Yes. And um and she was also that owner or the, probably the loan owner at least the loan owner that we know about that right. um right. that you know did try to attempt to donate to some type of a uh, uh, mm. black movement cause so um, that is true you know shout that out is to true her. Shout I, out I remember that yeah. I remember that it's yeah. one thing to it's one thing to do something like that behind the scenes you know you're moving silence. And all that is one thing to do that. And it's another thing to, you know, come out on TV or on a radio interview and do what Roger Goodell did, mm. you know, or do what Steve Bashotti did on, on TV or on, on social media. It's another thing to do that. I haven't seen her do that. Right. So. Right. OK, well, my last uh, my last thing uh what do you think Colin Kaepernick's legacy is going to be? 
I think his legacy is going to be that he was in hope and in hoping that we're still in this climate and that this climate moves forward positively. He's going to be looked at as the guy who gave up a contract, gave up his NFL career to become a martyr. And in my eyes, rightfully so, because he brought attention to something that affects us daily. Um, He's going to be looked at as a guy that um, gave it all up. Uh, And I don't want to I don't want to use the terms give it all up. He gave up he gave up a contract. He gave up an opportunity to make money in the NFL and he gave up his playing career so that he can bring awareness to white America for, you know, police brutality. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think that's what his legacy is going to be. Um, it's, it's not going to be anything like a Hall of Fame kind of a thing. Um, it's not going to be. And, and, I, and I heard Brett Favre's comments earlier this week where he's saying that um, he's going to be looked at the way Pat Tillman um, was looked at. And, I, and I, I thought Brett caught a little bit too much heat for that. I think his words were misconstrued in a sense. I don't think he was comparing. I don't think he was calling Kaepernick a hero specifically because of what he did and then comparing it to what Tillman did as far as leaving the game and going to war and all that. I think he was just saying that what the perception would be um, from the outside is that they would look at Kaepernick as a hero the way Tillman was looked at as a hero from the outside. So I, I, I think I think Brett caught a little bit too much heat for that. But um, but I, I think all in all, his career um, is it, just going to be looked at is that he he gave up the opportunity to make money in the NFL and gave up his career so that he can bring awareness to um, police brutality, social injustices. And even uh, and even for me. He brought awareness to me in terms of the Star Spangled Banner, because I think you and I talked about this. Um, I never knew about the third stanza until he brought light to it. And then that article in the root dot com made mention of it. And then you made mention of it. So I learned a little bit more about that. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I need to not stand for the anthem anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I think that um, if Brett. Well, let me say this. I hope Brett Favre is right in that his legacy will be comparable to Pat Tillman because that would mean that um, some change, some sort of a change, we took, we've made, we made some sort of progress um, mm-hmm. for him to be regarded in the or his regards to be comparable to Pat Tillman because Pat Tillman is a celebrated war veteran, um, mm-hmm. uh, and as far as the public opinion goes there isn't a bad thing that can be said about Pat Tillman which means that the narrative would emphatically be changed on Colin Kaepernick and how some people feel about him now meaning the people who don't understand why he taken why he took a knee and that that yep. knee wasn't disrespectful to uh the flag that that narrative will be changed and shifted into um uh, into what its true intention was so um I hope that his legacy will be somewhat comparable to Pat Tillman because I want him to be celebrated the way Pat Tillman is celebrated, um, you know, often. Um, Mm. 
Colin Kaepernick deserves to be celebrated that way. Um, I just hope that we – I'm hope I'm allowed to see it. Yeah, I, I hope so too, man. Um, and there's folks out there that still, you know, vilify Kaepernick for, you know, taking a knee during the anthem. I'm not surprised about that. People still, you know, just want to take just what they want to take from it instead of, you know, finding understanding and listening to people talk and, you know, have these, you know, conversations that are tough conversations, but they need to be had. So mm-hmm. folks still to this day, they, you know, they get on the radio. They say, you know, Kaepernick gave up nothing like he, you know, he he disrespected America. He, you know, he did this. And it's like, wait, like, that's not that's not necessarily a crime. What Colin Kaepernick did. I mean, you might you might not like it, but I mean, respect what he you know, what he was standing for. Right. You know, it seems like y'all y'all in guided to this anthem y'all indicted to this flag that really hasn't stood for us as a mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah so i i hope you know and and shout out to all the black people still protesting in the streets man because they right. still they still out there doing it man and it need to be yeah yeah they you know they in baltimore city they just uh there's a street called linwood avenue goes through uh patterson park on the east side and they wrote Black Lives Matter in red all on the side of the road and similar to what they did in D.C. Uh, next to the White House. Mm-hmm. A lot of cities are doing that. Yeah. Um, like I, I saw Cincinnati do it. Um, New York City, you know, Brooklyn, Bed-Stuy, um, you know, my neighborhood, you know, just a few blocks from, you know, where I lived at right on Fulton Street there. They took up one whole city block and, you know, did the Black Lives Matter thing, um, you know, which is pretty dope. Um, in addition to that, though, we love to see more changes in terms yes. of reform, in terms of whether y'all going to defund the police. And let's be clear about what defunding is. It's not eliminating the police department completely. It's allocating assets that used to go to the police department and putting some of that towards other programs in society. So right. I, I hope that that conversation continues i hope that more change is coming um we're, we're definitely going to need it um you know even in light with the news incident with the nascar thing um i expect to see more stuff not necessarily the news thing but i expect to hear more stories about uh white racist people retaliating towards our movement moving forward and we're just gonna have to fight back we're just gonna have to um, combat that with something stronger. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, don't worry, <laughs> don't worry. Um, RC says uh, Kaepernick will be remembered like John Carlos and Tommy Smith, and to some degree Ali as well. I, mm-hmm. I'll take that too. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, legendary legends. legends. I'll, I'll accept it for sure. For sure. Um, hey man, well, we could end on that note, man, on a positive note of Colin Kaepernick being, uh, being a historic figure in American culture and American history. Um, I want to say thank you to everybody who listened to everybody's in the chat room. Everybody's going to catch the show on demand. Um, I, man, I, I appreciate it. Um, I, I was a little ignorant. I mean, ignorant. I was a little irritated um with the whole Bubba Smith situation um and but I mean but I mean what I say 
Um, and I as we should be, bro. As we should be. Yeah, but um, definitely thanks to everybody in the chat room. Um, tell a friend. B, what up? What's up, player? Tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, you know what I'm saying? We out here. Uh, follow us at Barbershop Sports Talk Podcast. Follow me at Maestro Styles. Follow him at Trey Fraser. That's on Instagram. On Twitter, uh, follow me at Maestro Styles. You can follow Trey at Barbershop, S-P-O-R-2. Make sure you like the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube page. And by the way, Trey, side note, we need to, like, do a little Zoom or something that we could put on YouTube or something. uh, We got to find something to argue about. Anybody want to argue with me and Trey on Zoom, we going to record it and put it on... um, Put it on YouTube for some content, man. We just need to find some good arguing points. Um, yeah, I, I think we can. Yeah, maybe get a guest. Yeah, maybe every now and then on a Zoom, and yeah, I, yeah. I like that idea. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, we uh, we appreciate y'all. We are gonna get some content out on there. Uh, for Trey Frazier, this is Maestro Styles. We will holler at y'all next week. Peace. wonder where your food comes from? More and more people do. America's corn farmers work hard every day to grow a crop that you can be proud to serve your family. And they're doing it with an eye towards sustainability, caring for water, air, soil, and resources that fuel healthy families and more sustainable products. Take a look to find out how farmers in rural America work to make life better for all of us, from cities to their rural communities. Learn more at ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. 